Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Good morning. Well, I appreciate uh, Brother Danny so much and Brother Corey. Uh, Their uh, service here and their friendship and their support. But I just got to tell you something. I don't like it one bit that they can sing like they can. <laughs> yeah, I know the Bible talks about envies like the rottenness of the bones, so I won't say too much about that. But, uh, but uh, thank you, Brother Danny. I am glad to be here and to get to share with you all just for a few moments. Uh, Brother Corey had asked me a few weeks ago, said he was going to be gone, and asked me to, to, to stand and to preach for him. And, and I'm uh, glad to do so. Although I'm a pretty poor fill-in, I'm kind of like the, an old story that I heard of this way back in yesteryear when things were a lot cheaper than they were. Haircuts were like 50 cents. And this pastor of this little town went to see his barber and sat down in the chair and got his hair cut. And at the end, when he was getting up, he realized he didn't have any money on him. And he explained his predicament to his barber, and the barber was very understanding and said, that's okay, he said, I'll just take it out of your preaching. And he said, the preacher looked, the preacher looked at him and said, barber, he said, sir, I don't, I don't have any 50 cent sermons. He said, that's okay, I'll come twice. <laughs> if you have a Bible, turn it, if you would, to the book of Genesis, chapter number 36. The book of Genesis, chapter 36, beginning reading at verse 1, we're going to talk this morning about twin lessons from Jacob and Esau. Genesis chapter 36, verse 1, the Bible says these words, these are the family records of Esau, that is Edom. Now I'm going to skip on down to verse number 6. It says, Esau took his wives, sons, daughters, and all the people of his household, as well as his herds, all his livestock, and all the property he had acquired in Canaan. He went to a land away from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too many for them to live together. And because of the herds, the land, because, and because of their herds, the land where they stayed could not support them. So Esau, that is Edom, lived in the mountains of Seir. These are the family records of Esau, father of the Edomites, in the mountains of Seir. I'm going to stop there. Basically, in Genesis chapter 36, uh, you just have a whole chapter that is dedicated to the ancestry or the family of of Esau. Uh, And I know a lot of times, if you're like me, if you're reading through a book in the Bible, you come to a a chapter like that, and you think, man, that's just some hard names to pronounce. You think, why in the world is that in there? Why, would, why does God spend all this time just naming these names and talking about Esau's sons and his wives and the land where he got? Well, I'm going to try, if I can, to give you two possible solutions or two possible ways to look uh, at maybe why this passage is there. But before I can do that, I want to just real quickly tell you, and, and Brother Danny, I appreciate his uh, sermon and his uh, way things have worked out. He was talking about Jacob and Esau. They're, they're twins. You know, y'all, y'all know the story. It's, we talk about the God of the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Well, Jacob had a, had a twin brother named Esau. 
They were the, the sons of Isaac. They were Abraham's grandchildren, grandsons. And the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 9, and, he's, and, and Paul is actually quoting from the book of Malachi, God says these words, As it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. We, we're used to hearing that God loves. God is love. But he says that Jacob have I loved, Esau I have hated. And yet here in Genesis chapter 36, you read a long chapter, lots of names, about the descendants of Esau. And we know that Esau was the oldest one. He was the one that was first born. He's the one that had the birthright. He's the one that should have been the greater. But God had told their mother that you know the, the older would serve the younger. But he also, God also told her that in your womb are two nations. Two nations. But that the older one is going to serve the younger one. With that brief background, I'm going to try to give you just two quick answers. Well, I don't know how quick it'll be, but we'll see about that. About why in the world is that here? Why in the book of in Genesis do you have this passage of Scripture? in relation to the fact that what God says in the book of Malachi, and that Paul quotes in the book of Romans, that he says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. And yet you read that God gave Esau, that they were so blessed, Jacob and Esau were so blessed, that the land that they were living on could no longer sustain them. It reminds you of Abraham and Lot a little bit, doesn't it? That they were... They were just so blessed. They had so many herds and their family was so big that where they were staying, the ranch that they were on wasn't big enough. So they had to separate ways. And God gives Esau, which became later known, he changed his name to Edom, he gave him this mountain range. And I think it was like 20 miles wide and about 100 miles long of land that he gave him. I don't know about you, but you'd probably have to have two zero turns to cut that backyard, wouldn't you? Big piece of property. Big family. Let me tell you what the first thing that I think that we can learn or kind of glean from this passage of Scripture is this. That if this is what God does to those that He hates, He really is a good God. God had so blessed Esau and Jacob, he had so blessed them that their land that they had, and it was a big piece of land that they were staying on, wasn't able to sustain them. Their family here, it takes a whole chapter, many verses, to go through and to see all the different names of the sons that Esau was blessed with, and their wives and their children. Just his huge family. God fulfilled His promise. Told Rebecca, inside, in your womb, you're going to have not one, but two nations. There'll be two groups of people inside of you. You're going to give birth to, to two of them. And yet the Bible says that God says, I, I've loved Jacob, but I've hated Esau. I want to tell you something. If you, My first point, I kind of already led that. I want you to hear one thing first. God really is good. I believe that one of the foundational truths of the entire gospel of the entire Bible is this truth. 
that God is good. You know, we have, we have a lot of people today, when, and, and, and we do it, I do it, you've probably done it, you've known people that they're all the time they ask the question, where was God? Trials come, tri- a, a, a persecution, adversity comes, we, we lose a job, we lose a loved one, things happen that are that we, we and we people wonder tornadoes come and homes are destroyed communities neighborhoods get destroyed and people where where was where was god is there a god and if there is a god does he not even care do they not even think that or if there is a god and he does care is there absolutely nothing that he can do I want to ask you something. How many times, and I'll tell you what I've observed, but let me ask you, how many times have you observed when things are going really, really well and you're really just in the, just a sweet spot in life, have you ever heard people say, where was God? Or give God thanks for something. You know, so often we take our blessings for granted, don't we? I don't know about you, but I know I do. We get used to just getting up and in a, in a, in a home, it's warmed and uh, during the winter and it's cool during the summer and we come to places of worship like this and we sit on nice comfortable pews and hear good singing and when Brother Corey's here you get to hear some good preaching and, and we take things for granted. We need to remember something that one of the reasons I believe that God puts this in here is in, in relation to the entire scripture is that people need to hear they need to know that there is a God and He is at His very core and in His very nature, God is good. God's good. And the fact is that when you talk about Esau, most of the time the references in the Bible about Esau, it's kind of a lesson on what not to do. He's kind of a lesson on, you know, you, you learn by example and non-example. Esau's kind of the example of, 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 the, uh, of the not example of what not to do. I'll tell you a quick story that I read, written by Corey Ten Boom. She said this, I've often heard people say how good God is. But we pray, because we pray that it wouldn't rain on our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good, she says, when He sends good weather, but God was also good when He allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. Everything around us was dark and there was darkness in my heart. And I remember telling Betsy that I thought God had forgotten us. And she said, no, Corey, He has not forgotten us. Remember His word, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. Corey continues and writes, and she says, There is an ocean of God's love available. There is plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt that victorious love, whatever the circumstances. God is good and God is faithful. But you know, I made the statement that Esau is kind of that example, the non example, the person that we're really not supposed to follow. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer there warns us and warns his readers, says, make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person 
like Esau, who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. And yet, that happened before this account, before God gave him his land. The point I'm trying to get to is that God blessed Esau even when Esau didn't deserve it. I don't know about you, but that's, that's sometimes how I feel, Brother Bob, is that sometimes when I look and I think, you know what, I'm glad, I'm glad that God didn't look down and say, well, Darren's really not worth my son coming to die. I'm not going to send him. I'm not going to send Jesus because Darren's not worth it. No, no, no. God's, God said that I so commend my love towards you that when you were ungodly, when you were unrighteous, when you were not good, God showed His love toward us that He sent His only Son to die for me and you. That God is good and He is good all the time. In fact, one of the very foundational pieces of the gospel, you know, we talk about people coming to faith and repentance in the Lord. Do you know that the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? I heard an old fiery Baptist preacher say one time that if the goodness of God won't lead you to repent, nothing will. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Every single day. He doesn't just sparingly give. The Bible declares that God loads us with benefits. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father hath given to us, that we should be called God's children. One of my favorite psalms, and probably many of your favorite psalms, is Psalms 100, verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Now, I know we're in a Baptist church, and I have to be careful here, but I wonder if I could get a few of you, if God's ever been good to you, if you'd raise your hand. Oh, wait till I tell Brother Corey. <laughs> God is good. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And we see what God did for Esau. But I want you to know there's a second lesson in this short little passage that I've read and considering all of that we've looked at in Genesis 36 and then over in the book of Romans. You see, we talked about how blessed Esau was and his family and his, his herds and he was so successful it seemed and was so blessed. We can talk about how he was blessed with so many sons and with so many grandsons and the big portion of land that God had given to him. But I want you to know I believe there's a warning in this as well. And just as much as I want to tell you to remember what I said at the beginning, that God is good, I want you to hear the warning that I think we can find in this passage of Scripture. And it's simply this. Don't confuse physical blessings with physical blessings. Don't confuse physical blessings with spiritual blessings. All of Esau's blessings were like a gallon of milk. I don't know about you, but when you go pull open the door at the, at the convenience store or wherever to open up your, 
pull out and get that milk, what do you look at? You look at the date. I like, you know, because you want one that's fresh. And you know, now, in my house, we go through a gallon pretty quick, so it don't, I don't have to worry about it too much ruining. But you look, you don't want to buy something that's expired. All of what I've told you concerning Esau's blessings were all physical blessings, and they every one came with an expiration date. What happens to, to Esau and his descendants? I told you that Paul in the book of Romans was quoting from the book of Malachi. In chapter 1, listen to what the prophet there says. He says, The word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you ask, how have you loved us? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? This is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. And here's what he says happened to him. I turned his mountains into a wasteland, and I gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. Though Edom says we have been devastated, but we will rebuild, we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of armies says this, they may, they may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country, and the people the Lord has cursed forever. Basically, what Lord was saying was, there's going to be an end to Edom, to Esau. I'm going to give his inheritance to the wild animals of the desert. They're going to try to rebuild, but I want you to know that they'll be known as a people who the Lord has cursed forever. Do you know that in the, in the roll call of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, all those different heroes of the faith that we, we love to talk about, the Abrahams and the Moses and, and the people like David and all those people. Do you know how many of Esau's descendants are listed there in that chapter? Zero. None. Nada. Zilch. There's not one of Esau's descendants listed as a hero of the faith. Because the spiritual blessings, the eternal things, belong to Jacob and to those like Jacob. I, I believe that there's a danger and, a, and really kind of a false sense of security in people today and, and, and always, not just in our generation, but probably has always been, that there's a false sense of hope, a sense of security when we look around and we're like Esau and we see all the many blessings of God, we've got food, we've got clothes, we've got a home, we've got all of these things, but yet we do not take into consideration that which is best and that which is eternal. There was a danger there. There are, there are eternal blessings to have that you can have in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are things that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to give to you that absolutely nobody can take away. I mean, why did Jesus, when He told us, did He not say, don't lay up treasures on earth. Thieves come in and rust and things that destroy. They, it just lasts for a little while. He said, put your treasure in heaven. It's safe there. No thieves in heaven. No rust. No weeds. 
He said, look, you can have so much in Christ, things that really last. But I, I love Brother Danny Tittle Street. It's kind of like the quarters. You want a quarter now? You want a dollar later? To close, I'm going to give you four things that you can have in Jesus that He wants to give you that are eternal. And it's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. It's verses 3 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Because I want you to hear and to know that you don't have to live or settle with just things that are temporary or things that expire. I want you to know that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, wants to give you abundantly more, more than that. Things that never that money cannot buy, that cannot be stolen or taken away from you. And oh, by the way, you know what the best part is? Or at least one of the best parts. The best part is that all that I'm getting ready to tell you is yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. That every promise in God's holy word is as sure as that tomb that Jesus was laid in is now empty. <laughs> we serve a risen Lord in all the promises. Everything that God has assured in His Word, you can take it, as we say, to the bank, and you can count on it. It's verified. Because Jesus Christ, He lived, He died, was buried, and on the third morning, He got up from the tomb. And because of that, this entire book, these promises that God has given to us, they are as sure as anything that you can bank on. This word is old, but I want you to know it's as fresh as tomorrow's newspaper. God's word can be trusted. And it can be trusted because God's only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died and he was buried and he rose again on the third morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 3 through 14. I'm not going to read the entire passage. Listen to what Paul says. I'll give you four quick things that God wants to give you and can give you and will give you that are last when this world is no more. No expiration date on these. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. Here's the first thing that I want to tell you that God wants to give to you. He wants to offer to take away your filthy, sinful, dirty garments. And He says, I want to make you pure and blameless in love in Jesus. He's saying, I, I want you to know that you, what, this is going to last forever, that I want to absolutely do a wonder that's so wonderful in your heart and your life that we just kind of have to describe it as a new birth. That you've got to be, be born again. The Bible talks about, and Paul said, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Paul says, I want, God wants to give you, take away your sins, your, your dirty righteousness, your filthy rags, and God wants to make you pure and blameless in love in Him. 
according to the pleasure, excuse me, uh, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Second thing that God wants to give you that's eternal is God wants to make you a part of His family. God wants to make you a part of His family. He wants to adopt you. He Legally. He's paid the price. He's completed all the paperwork, all the documents. He can do that. He can, he, the Bible says He is both just and the justifier of those that are saved. God wants to make you a part of His family. i tell you something. I am very proud of my parents. They loved me and worked for me and provided for me. Corrected me, and most importantly, they told me about Jesus. And for that, Brother Jim, I'm, I'm grateful. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing, nothing, nothing to be compared to being in the family of God. One day, if the Lord tarries, you'll go to a cemetery and you'll see a tombstone there with my name on it. From this date to this date. And at that point, I guess you could say I've left the Tuck family. But I want you to know that I'm part of a family that never, ever ends never stops and I'll steal a line here from Adrian Rogers he used to say this God has millions upon millions of children but not one grandchild if you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ if you want to go to heaven you want to be part of his family you won't go there because your mom or dad were a Christian or because your uncle or because you did this or that no 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 you're going to have to be a son, not a grandson. You're not going to get in on as a second generation part of the family. God only takes them on first generation basis. You can be a part of the family of God. Keep reading. Verse number 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of of His grace. I won't ask you to raise a hand here, but has anybody here ever done anything wrong? <laughs> anybody here ever committed to sin? I love honesty in a congregation. It's great. Especially when there's like an obvious answer, right? There's no trick question there. We've, we're all sinners. <laughs> The fact is, we know that not only because God's Word tells us that, but I, I, we know that by experience. I've lived. <laughs> I've, I've, I've done a few things I'm not so proud of. God says, I want to give you something that's eternal. I want to completely, and I will and can, completely forgive your sins. Forgive them. Gone. Never to be remembered again. Never to be brought back up. Oh, the old Satan, he likes to accuse us. 
He likes to make us to remember when we goofed up and when we sinned and when our tongue got away from us and we lost our cool and we blew it at Walmart or at Lowe's on a Saturday. Not that Brother Danny did. I don't know that. <laughs> but when we've committed sins, God says, I want, to, I want you to know, I'll forgive you. You need to hear that. God's family is not for people that are perfect. God's family is for people that are forgiven. And the last thing, keep reading. Go down to verse number 11. In Him, talking about in Jesus, we have also received an inheritance. We have also received an inheritance. I don't claim to know exactly what this means, but I have a pretty good idea. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that God is the God uh, that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I take that to mean that He's pretty wealthy. Maybe I'm wrong. But the, but the God that spoke and created the world, the universe, created us, all the animals hung the stars, that did all of these things, you know what He wants to give you? He wants to give you an inheritance that will never, never run out. He wants to give you something that lasts forever. And that's a relationship with Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here are two things. God is good. God is really, really good. But folks, hear the warning that don't confuse physical blessings with spiritual blessings. I'll close, and Brother Miss Brenda, if you'd come, and Brother Danny, if you'd come and get us a hymn ready. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. He says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him. Folks, I want to tell you something. You can, you can listen to really good, you know, sermons. You can, you can do it. You can do a lot. But I, I want you to know something. The, the best teacher is usually experience. It's sometimes a tough teacher, but it's the best teacher. The writer of Psalms says, taste and see. In other words, come and try. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see that God really is good. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see. Those of you, those that may be lost, that don't know Christ, you hear about the possibility of God's forgiveness of your sins. Oh, He could never forgive me. You don't know what I've done, preacher. I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're forgiven according to His riches and grace. Come be a part of an inheritance. Come be a part of a family. A Heavenly Father that loves you, cares for you that loved you so much that He was willing to give His Son on a cross to send Him with one mission, and that was to die in order that you and I could be saved and be part of His family. Taste and see. Come and see. Would you stand with me? We'll pray together. And then I'm going to ask Brother Danny, if he would, to lead us in a, a hymn of an invitation. But let's pray together. Heads bowed just for a moment. You know, uh, I know when the pastor's not here, it makes the invitation a little more uncomfortable. 
listen, if you don't want to come up and talk to me, I, you're not going to hurt my feelings one way or the other. You, you won't. If you'd rather come up here and interrupt Brother Danny, Brother Bob can come up here and lead the singing. I'll draft him. Or if you want to talk to somebody there next to you that you trust and, you, and you've got a decision that you need to make, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord, personal Lord and Savior, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. He's a great refuge to those that trust in Him. Whatever your need is, whatever your, uh, if, if there is a need, if there's a decision that you'd like to make, I want to encourage you to make that decision this morning. If it's something that you need to do privately, God bless you in that. If it's something that needs to be made public, if you'd like to come profess Christ or you'd like to come and say that I am a Christian, I'd like to be a part of this church, Brother Danny and some of these others that are here will be glad to talk with you, talk with you after the service. But whatever that your need is, I, I just want you to be obedient to God's Word and to His Spirit this morning. Father, I pray that you would bless these next few moments of this invitation. Continue to speak to hearts. And, and God, I just pray that, uh, that every one of us would leave here uh, being obedient to what you've asked us to do and showed us in your Word. We'll forgive, give you the thanks and the praise in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.